This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. With me is Heim Goodman-Strauss, math professor at the University of Arkansas. Good morning, Kyle. Good morning. Have you seen the uh, monstrosity on the lawn of Old Main? It is not a monstrosity. It's beautiful. It is. Um, Tell folks what you're talking about here. Well, uh, I guess it's just your typical giant space eggs. Starseeds, right? Starseeds is the name of the project, and... um, I have the exact coordinates are uh, <laughs> north uh, 3604.05.5 and uh-huh. uh, west 94.10.144.4. And so people with those coordinates can now? If you can beam on down, the <laughs> pods are ready. Uh, they're not showing up on civilian satellite imagery, I don't believe. But um, <laughs> these you are, can. <laughs> there's there's you sculptures. Can, you can check in. Yes. I've been uh, for preparing them. We've mm-hmm. been promised overlord status, <laughs> and uh, so if if you don't know where those coordinates are, they are in front of Old Main on the Old Main lawn. Right. I think I remember the U of them A correctly, campus. Right. Yes. So these are just some wo- woven more of our woven madness. You and Carl Smith from Landscape Architecture and Stuart Fulbright, a landscape architect in town, and a bunch of students have right. prepared these. All right, and there are some pictures on our webpage. So, cool. uh, all right. Well, we had a great week. Uh, a lot of people wrote in with interesting stuff. Uh, we got a someone you asked for a named triangle or I a did. triangle, your favorite yes. triangle. We got a couple right. of. Cool responses. John uh, Vandenberg, mm-hmm. Van Denberg, uh, Van Denberg from Brigham Young uh, ah. wrote us with his pyramid, which oh. may well have been discovered before, but it's a sort of a three-dimensional uh, analog of Pascal's triangle that looks – a lot of the same numbers appear. I think there's no way to describe it here, but instead of in a triangle and adding – getting the next number by adding the two above it, you do something similar with a – Pyramid. So um, I'm going to post that on the web page unless he writes me and tells me not to. <laughs> I th- yeah. So, John, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Um, and he's in Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. Oh, Provo. 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 Yeah. I'm sorry. My apologies. Yeah. And or it's been uh, cold. I think we have a. Okay. Uh, this is a gentleman from Ottawa, and uh, if I mispronounce your name, I apologize. But Nabosa Jogo. People mispronounce my name all the time. So uh, send us the pronunciation if you want it correctly. But sent us a very interesting comment about a way of um, creating Sierpinski's uh, triangle using something called the chaos game. He has a very Hmm. colorful way of describing it here. So here's how to describe. uh, It's less colorful than what he says, but here's how to do it. So you make three dots on the paper, three big dots, say. Like in a triangle? or Yeah, there'll naturally be some sort of triangle. Okay, I got him. Now put your pen tip on the paper someplace. Uh Okay. And now you roll a die. Say roll a three. Now, if you roll a one or two, you move halfway. You move your pen tip halfway to the first dot. If you okay. roll a three or four, you move halfway to the second okay. dot. And okay. a five or six, you move halfway to the third dot. Done. And now you roll again. Six. And so you would move halfway to the third dot. Okay. okay. One. You move halfway to the first dot. Now, just do this about uh, 10,000 times. Okay. And ignore the first, say, 1,000 t- pen marks. And lo and behold, out of, like, magic out will come Serpinski's triangle. Really? Yeah. And he describes it using... Uh, Somewhat differently, but using soldiers running around, but it's the same kind of thing. Isn't that neat? That's very neat. So that's called the chaos game. Oh, okay. Very cool. Nabosa from Ottawa, thank you for sending that in. And we got a couple of answers uh, to the wire puzzle. Yes, wires going through a tunnel. Now, this is really kind of a fascinating puzzle. Um, I mean, it's really quite surprising. So remember the puzzle was there are 50 identical wires, say, running under the Hudson, Mm -hmm. and you don't know which wire, you know, which wire is which. And you want to kind of – and you want to identify them. 
So you just have a bunch of wire ends on one end of the Hudson, one side of the river and a bunch of wire ends on the other side of the river. They're it's identical. Totally Can't identical. Can't tell them apart. And that's it. So how do you figure it out? How many trips do you... Right, because you can go back and forth, and, and you the, can cap them. And, yeah, on one end you can tie them together, and on right. the other end you can kind of test to see which uh, which pairs of wires right. complete a circuit. And remarkably, it only takes two trips. Yeah, I don't understand how that is. That is just maybe it'd be a little easier with uh, say six wires, just sure. so we don't have to get too involved. Okay, so let's try it like this. Suppose that you're on the first side of the river, and you have six, and just put six dots on a piece of paper. Those are the ends of the wires. Okay. Oh, okay. So six dots. Now you don't just sort of scattered around. Okay. And now on the other end of the river, put six mm -hmm. dots in a line. Okay. Now, um, now, the dots in the line, we'll call those, you know, wire one, two, three, four, five, and in this case, six. Mm -hmm. And if, what we're trying to figure out is on the other side where the wire ends are sort of scattered around, which one's which. So what we do first is we go across the river and we to the side where they're all in a line, mm -hmm. and we attach uh, two to three, three to four. Oh, sorry, two to three, four to five, and that's it. Okay. Okay. And now, when one and six aren't attached. Uh huh. And now let's draw that by as you did with connecting two and three and three and four or five, say with a heavy blue line. Uh huh. Now what you can figure out when you go back is you can figure out that two of the Scrambled ends are paired. Two right. pairs are paired, but you don't know what their numbers are. Pull on them, right? When you pull on them, well, you can just test them with a circuit uh, thing, right? Okay. So um, back on the okay. scrambled side, uh -huh. you know that two of the ends are paired up. Right. Two pairs are paired up, but you right. don't know wh what the numbers are. So we can go ahead and say, just for instance, connect the top two with a heavy blue line, and then another pair with a heavy blue line, and then we see that there are two loose ends. Mm -hmm. Now the two loose ends, one of them's one, one of them's six. We don't, we don't know which is which, though. Right. And then, uh, you know, so far. Okay, now we go back across the river. Uh -huh. And now what we do is we unhook the uh, two and three and three and four and five. Uh -huh. And now we hook up one to two. Right. With a light blue line. And three to four with a light blue line. Uh -huh. And we leave five and six unhooked. Come back. Now what that means is now when we go back to the other side, we have a light blue line corresponding from hooking one to two. Well, that must have been from one of the loose ends to one of the pairs. And then we have a light blue line from three to four. That's got to be from one of the pairs to the other pair. Mm -hmm. And then we have an end that is completely loose. So there you go. So, so the end that was completely loose had to be six. Right. We know that the end that was used to be unhooked but now is hooked to a pair had to be one. And we can just read along one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. That's kind of amazing. Yeah, it makes sense when you, kind of when you, cool when you draw puzzle. it out, yeah. I just thought that was neat. Well, anyway, okay, um, here's a puzzle. It's actually not – it's – I don't know. It's really something that I – one of the things that drew me into mathematics as a child. Okay. I was exposed to this. Okay. So many people will um, know part of this, and some people will know all of it, but it's remarkable for anyone. So may I have a piece of paper? Okay, so what we do, this is a lot like what we were doing with the averages, and it's actually pretty closely related. What we do is we write down in a line the square numbers. So 1, 4, 9, 16, 25. And we do this as long as we have the patience, 36. And now below that we write the difference between differences between successive squares. So 4 minus 1 is 3. 9 minus 4 is 5. 
16 minus seven. 9 is 7. 25 minus uh, 9. 9 and 11. And, of course, we see a pattern. And then oh, 5, 7. Right. And then we subtract again, and magically we have a constant. Three, 5 minus 3 is 2. 7 minus 5 is 2. Seven, 9 minus 7 is 2. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's very cool. Well, now let's do it with cubes. So 1, 8, uh, 27, 64, 125. This is a useful skill to know your cube numbers. 216. I can get it to 125, and then after that it's... Uh, uh, where are we? 343. And now we subtract. It's a little bit more of a pain, but 8 minus 1 is 7. 27 minus 18 is... Uh, 19. 19. Uh, tw- 64 minus 27 is 37. Seven. 50, 61. Uh-huh. And one, uh, yeah. 91. And so forth. So, and now we subtract again. 12. And it doesn't settle down quite as, it doesn't seem to be settling down. When we subtract, so in the next second row, we had 7, 19, 37, 61, 91, and so on. 18. 18. But here, we subtract it next time. We have 12, 18, 24. That's suggestive, 30. So we subtract we're going a, th- up by six a third time. We go sixes. up by sixes. So, in other words, with squares, we did the subtracting twice and we got two. Mm-hmm. With cubes, we subtract three times, we get six. And it turns out if you have nth powers, you subtract n times, and, and low and build, n factorial at the bottom. <coughs> so 2, 6, 24, right. 120, and so on. And that's pretty nar- darn neat. Well, what Isaac Newton said, discovered, suppose that you have a sequence of numbers that's generated by um, a polynomial. That is to say something like, oh, a rule like, oh, say, 4n cubed plus 2 n plus 1, mm-hmm. something like that. So if we have n equals 1, we plug in. I don't even know. I don't want to work that out. But we would get a sequence of numbers just hypothetically like 1, 5, 7, 9, 22, whatever. If we do the differences, we would get something below that, something below that, something below that. If if the largest power in this thing was, say, 3, after we would take three differences, it'll settle down to a number, just like it did with the cubes. If it were, say... Five, we would do five difference, five successive differences. It would settle down to something. Now, here's the question. Let's switch the thing around and go the other way. Suppose you're given these differences. Suppose you're just given the first row, the first column of what the differences would be. You can recover the whole table. So, like if we go back to the square ones, right? On the squares, one, four, nine, sixteen, twenty-five, thirty-six. The next row is 3, 5, 7, 9, 11. The row after that was 2s. Well, actually, just knowing that the front of that thing was 1 on the first row, 3 on the next row, and 2 on the next row is enough to recover the whole thing because you can, instead of subtracting, you can add back and build up what had to have been on the other rows. So now the question is this. Given just, just the entries in the first bid, the, the first column of that those differences, what's the polynomial? Hmm. How do you recover from this what the original polynomial was? And it's got a, just one of the most elegant, elegant answers. And Sir Isaac. Sir Isaac Newton discovered came up this. With this. Okay. So I'll, uh, I'll explain this again in print in the, uh, on, the on the website. Website. I'm sure that yeah. might be helpful. So that's uh, mathfactor.uark.edu, and, or you can write us at mathfactor at uark.edu. Jaime, thanks a lot. Thank you. I'm Goodman Strauss, is math professor at the University of Arkansas.